From the Christian Research Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the best of the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The mission of the Christian Research Institute is to equip believers to answer life's essential questions soundly and persuasively, and to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. For more information, go online to equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Bible Answer Man host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. I came into the office today and I was given a whole stack of letters, letters that demonstrated appreciation for the ministry of the Christian Research Institute. And I wanted to read one of those letters on the air, but quite frankly, had a hard time choosing which one. And just before the broadcast, I was talking to one of our associates about this very matter, and we decided on this letter. It's a card, actually, and in it is inscribed, Dearest Hank, thank you for your love, your kindness, your patience with all of us. We have listened to you for over 20 years, and our eyes have been opened to all of the truth inscribed in the Word of God because of the Holy Spirit working through you. My family is forever changed because of you. Thank you for being so brave and telling the truth, no matter what. And thank you, thank you. May our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, guide and protect you and your family and the Christian Research Institute. And please tell your wonderful wife, thank you for letting the world have you too. Love forever because of him. And what I really liked about this card, what made it particularly special for me, is inside the card was a picture of a mother hen, and she has two chicks under her wings, and then a little note on that picture, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Not what Jesus looks like. So she's referring to Jesus saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets, how often I have longed to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Anyway, she says, not what Jesus looks like. In other words, Jesus is not a mother hen, but what Jesus is like. And then she says, thanks, Hank. And this, of course, made this particular letter special to me because it demonstrates that this couple gets it. They get that we need to learn to read the Bible for all its worth or mine the Bible for all its wealth. There are so many passages in the Old Testament that the new atheists look at and say immediately, How in the world can any rational, sentient human being consider the Bible a trustworthy source? Because the Bible disqualifies itself on moral principles. Christopher Hitchens was very famous before he died for talking about bride price. I mean, he probably more than anyone else popularized that phrase in contemporary history, 
bride price. And this is the idea that you can buy a wife like you can buy a horse or buy a mule. And then the idea is appended that this is, of course, a degrading way of treating females, particularly in an age of scientific enlightenment. So while it might have at one time been acceptable, it is no longer acceptable now. And of course, there are all kinds of extensions drawn from that, particularly with respect to same-sex sexuality, or perhaps with respect to the parameters that God sets around our lives so that our joy might be complete. At any rate, Paul Copan takes that very idea, and he says this, and I'm now reading from, Is God a Moral Monster? In actual fact, the bride price was the way a man would show his serious intentions towards his bride-to-be. And it was a way of bringing two families together to discuss a serious, holy, and lifelong matter having sex with a young woman without the necessary preparations and formal ceremony cheapen the woman and sexuality. The process surrounding the bride price reflected the honorable state of marriage. He goes on to say that the bride price was, in actuality, a marriage gift. It not only helped create closer family ties between the two families, but also provided economic stability for the marriage. I won't continue, but he goes on and contextualizes what the Bible is dealing with, the parameters that the Bible is setting forth. And quite frankly, when you get to the end of reading this particular section, it's short, it's digestible, it's memorable, but when you get to the end of it, you recognize that the standard set by the Mosaic law exceed the standards that we accept today. So many of you hanging on will go right to your calls. Let's talk to Chris. Chris is listening in Canada, Ontario, Canada. I used to live there myself many, many years ago. He's listening on the web. Hi, Chris. Hey, Hank. Just wanted to let you know I uh, just recently joined the Bible Answer Man team as well. I think what you're doing is fantastic, so I really appreciate all the work UNCR have been doing all these years, so thank you for that. Bless you. Thank you, Chris. My question, Hank, is, uh, you know, I've read several of your books lately, and I know you're really familiar with types and anti-types of the Old and New Testament, so I'm pretty sure you lean towards that uh, Melchizedek is a Christophany, and my question really kind of leans towards Hebrews 7.3. The translations that are most likely rendered, it says that Melchizedek was made like the Son of God, or another translation says, resembling the Son of God. So I guess my question is, wouldn't you consider Melchizedek to be a type of the Old Testament, and that Christ is the anti-type of the New Testament? I don't really consider that, and I've really wrestled for many years throughout my ministry before I actually came out in print discussing Melchizedek from this perspective, but I don't think that the word like negates the notion of Melchizedek as a Christophany, because there are other examples that you could use where a similar word or phrase is appended. For example, in Daniel, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one 
like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And then also you can contemplate the reality that despite the word like, Jesus combined that very passage with Psalm 110 in evidence of his deity in Mark chapter 14. And I think, as I point out in my book, Has God Spoken?, the Melchizedek scroll that is found in cave 11 has given a tremendous amount of insight and clarity with respect to who Melchizedek is. I think it rings hollow to argue that when the text of Scripture says that Melchizedek is without father, without mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, that this and somehow or other makes him human. And on top of that, I think Melchizedek is contrasted with men who die. He is declared overtly to be the living. And I think all of that makes a, I think, a compelling case for Christophany. Although I have in the past considered the option that you set forth, and certainly many fine scholars do. Awesome. You gave me a, a lot of new information to look up. Do you got time for one quick question? Sure. I recently read your book, The Apocalypse Code, and I love the word you coined, the exegetical eschatology. Mm-hmm. And I watched a debate with March Hickok on the you know, dating of Revelation. And uh, anyways, you make it real clear that you have no association with full preterism and all that. So my question is, can you maybe give me one or two points that you would disagree with partial preterism? in line with your exegetical eschatology? Well, you know, I have many people that I've had on the broadcast that are partial preterists, and I very much appreciate their scholarship, and I appreciate them as persons. But sometimes when I listen to the argumentation, I fear that they're doing the same thing that a futurist does, only in reverse. In other words, what they are doing is they are reading the text in a woodenly literal sense and then applying it to something that has happened in the past as, well, at least in the same vein as futurists do that with the biblical text and then applying it to the future. So I think it is the literalism with certain parts of the book of Revelation that I would take issue with. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hank. Really appreciate all you do. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. We'll be right back with more answers to your questions. Please don't touch that dial. Being asleep at the wheel is dangerous. In fact, it can be downright deadly. That should be a wake-up call to Christians who are dangerously asleep at the wheel when it comes to wokeism. It's a deadly ideology that permits no discussion or debate. Simply obey or else. Make no mistake, people who are tolerant of such madness and incivility aren't being gracious. They are being dangerously and perhaps fatally naive. So grave are the threats of wokeism to civilization as we have known it that we have dedicated an entire special edition of the Christian Research Journal to analyzing this now rampant social and mental disease. To receive your copy of the special woke edition of the Christian Research Journal, visit equip.org. That's equip.org. Or call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. Stay with us. Hank Hanegraaff will be back with more right after this.
If you thought the pandemic was scary, it may actually pale in comparison to today's pandementia. We're talking about wokeism and its growing legions of followers who have defiantly and dangerously declared their independence from reality. That's right, for those infected by the woke virus, anytime their ideology encounters reality, ideology wins. To help halt the advance of this deadly social and mental disease, you'll want a copy of the upcoming special edition of the Christian Research Journal. In it, you'll feast on penetrating analyses and criticisms of one of the most dangerous ideologies in modern history, all written to help you grasp just how deranged this tyrannical movement actually is. To receive your copy, visit equip.org, that's equip.org, or call 888-7000-CRI, that's 888-7000-CRI. Anyone who's been paying attention knows there's a war going on, not just on traditional morality, civility, and decency, but even more fundamentally on historic notions of truth. And the enemy isn't just the onslaught of fake news facilitated by a post-truth culture and turbocharged by growing legions of ideological spin doctors. No, the real enemies of truth range from postmodernist convictions that there is no objective truth to militant scientism that claims that only science can determine truth, and religion is little more than primitive superstitions. But CRI support team members are not waving a white flag of surrender. They're holding the fort by undergirding every one of Christian Research Institute's mind-shaping and life-changing outreaches 24-7. To learn how you can make a difference and enjoy all the benefits of support team membership, simply visit equip.org. God spoken? Are the words of Scripture merely human in origin, or are they in fact the very words of God Himself? Three years in the making and based on two decades of research and reflection, Hank Hanegraaff's monumental book, Has God Spoken?, answers what is surely the most important question facing our world. In Has God Spoken? Memorable Proofs of the Bible's Divine Inspiration, Hank counters the contentions of the Bible attackers and clearly shows that belief in the Holy Scriptures is not a guess or wishful thinking. It is the only logical conclusion after an honest examination of overwhelming evidence. Order Has God Spoken? from the Christian Research Institute by calling 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. Equip. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. Let's go to the phone lines, talk to Jean in Tennessee. Hi, Jean. Thank you so much, Hank, for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, I'm calling about the Long Island medium, and her name is Teresa Caputo. She's on television and she uh, had a big auditorium full of people here in Memphis, and they charged $100 a ticket to go, and people just flocked in there. And she tells people, and I know what the Bible says about being um, absent from the body and present with the Lord for Christians, but she tells people that spirits have been speaking to her since she was a child, and she tells them that the soul, the, the person that passed, of course, when people are talking about their loved ones who have passed on, they're vulnerable, I know that, but 
she tells them that the, the uh, people are there with them all the time, and their souls are with them. And, and I'm just wondering what your take on this, because when she talks to them, uh, she talks to them about personal information that only they would know, so she can't really research it. And I'm just wondering, you know, how this works. Could it be demons talking to her, or what? What do you think? Well, you know, it's possible. But as I've pointed out in my book, Counterfeit Revival, there's a lot of ways in which good stage hypnotists and mediums and the like are able to utilize social psychological manipulation tactics like cold reading and the like. In fact, I had a friend who was a very popular stage hypnotist, and I would have him show my kids just how easy it is to be fooled. And the stage hypnotist would tell my kids things that they thought no one could possibly know about them, failing to recognize that they had telegraphed that very information to him. So we are very easily fooled. And this is the case with the Long Island medium. Let me be absolutely blunt. She is a fake and a very obvious fake that should obviously be seen through, but because we tend to be gullible and because we're vulnerable, as you so correctly point out in the prologue to the question, she's able to ply her trade. And you also alluded to the fact that this is shameless profiteering at the expense of vulnerable people. So her claims to communicate with the dead are null and void. They're deceptive, and they are strictly forbidden in the Scripture. Remember the witch of Endor. When Samuel actually came from the dead, she just about died herself because she realized that the gig was up. She realized that this was not because of her, but in spite of her. And she thought, "Uh uh-oh, I am dead meat. So, no, this is shameless profiteering. It went on in antiquity and unfortunately now is being televised in the modern age. And it's something that we should shun and warn people about. In fact, there's a whole section in my book, Counterfeit Revival, which deals specifically with the art of social psychological manipulation, how it works, so you can actually see how these people do what they do. Well, you know, they'll say, they'll say, well, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in mediums. But when she finishes telling them things that only they could know. But but that's the point I'm saying. It's not only they could know. They think it's something that only they could know, but it's information that has been telegraphed. This is all part of social psychological manipulation. And again, what I've done in a section of counterfeit revival titled Hypnotism is I explain exactly how the mesmerist or the medium plies the trade. So you go, oh, so that's how they do it. Okay, you do mention it in that booklet? Oh, absolutely. It's a whole section in my book, Counterfeit Revival. In fact, I don't know if we have any of these left. We actually did a little booklet on hypnotism that was derived from Counterfeit Revival. Okay, on the Internet. It's on the Internet. Yeah, you can check it out on the web or just hang on. Someone will pick up and talk to you directly. Okay, that'd be great. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got it, Jen. Thank you so much for your call. Back to the phone callers. Next up, Albert, listening in Anderson, California. Hi, Albert. Hello. I have a question. I was listening to Chuck Missler the other night talking about the Nephilim, and um, he said that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, where it says the men began to call upon the name of the Lord, that that's a mistranslation. It should say men began to profane the name of the Lord. And I want to know if you have any knowledge about that. Well, first of all, it is a frightful mistranslation. And I'm not surprised at all that that Chuck Missler would be involved in that kind of mistranslation. He does it all the time. There's no warrant for this whatsoever, either in the context itself or in the broader context of Scripture. I mean, this is clearly referring to worshiping the Lord through prayer and sacrifice. And you see that exemplified throughout the Scripture. If you go on to read Genesis chapter 12, Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Or Genesis 13, where having built an altar, Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. And the same thing is repeated in 21 and 26, but not only in Genesis. Look at the broader panoply of Scripture, and you will see this phraseology used in places like Joel chapter 2, where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Chuck Missler has made a cottage industry out of sophistry, sensationalism, and script torture. In other words, he is abusing the biblical text, and unfortunately, people have been titillated uh, by the kinds of things that he does. It is truly shameful. I was wondering about Chuck. What do you know about him? Because I kind of um, had some suspicions about him. He he does not believe in the... the um, godly line of Seth theory. So he does not believe that they were a godly line, and why were they wiped out with the flood if they were godly? And he gives a whole bunch of arguments for this. So what do you know about Chuck Missler? Is he sound in his doctrines, or what? Oh, no, he's not sound at all. He's a sensationalist. In regard to what you just asked about him, mean, he believes demons are not fallen angels, but a different kind of being altogether, and therefore he reasons that fallen angels were able to manifest physical bodies that were capable of producing offspring through sexual relations with women. But he says demons are unable to manifest physical bodies. They must possess a human or animal to manifest in the world. Again, he makes this distinction, which uh, has little warrant or little credibility. He also holds to Bible codes, this is a sensationalistic practice that is utterly discredited, pyramidology. He has esoteric teachings of all kinds, newspaper eschatology. He has argued that if you deny the distinction between Israel and the church, you are of the synagogue of Satan, and much, much more. He was at the forefront of all kinds of sophistry with respect to Y2K. Again, shameful, but unfortunately this kind of thing sells and is allowed to proliferate across Christian platforms. Okay, well, that, that helps a lot. I thank you for your time. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Scott, listening in Santa Clarita, California. Hi, Scott. Hey, Hank. Thanks for your program. I really enjoy uh, learning a lot about it. Thank you. My question is, I just need help understanding the uh, Scripture 
love your neighbor as you love yourself. Specifically, the love yourself part, uh, you know, what's the context of that love love yourself? How is Jesus using that? Because in other areas, Jesus talks about deny yourself and pick up the cross. So I'm just kind of, I need help understanding how the context there. Well, you know, you got to recognize that true love actually puts others before ourselves, and in that we find wholeness. So, for example, our love is first to be directed towards God, and in that we find genuine love for ourselves because we are created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. We are allowed, therefore, also to more ably and fully love other people. So self-denial is actually a form of love. And we have to remember that we shouldn't fall for the Hollywood image of love as though love is merely a feeling. From a biblical perspective, love is not merely a feeling. Love is a commitment out of which everything else flows. Wow, that's great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. So is there like a healing aspect to it? A healing aspect to loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving ourselves. Yes, because we recognize that in loving ourselves, it doesn't mean self-gratification in every sense. It means that we are in right relationship with the universe. In other words, right relationship with the Creator and with that which God has created. Well, thank you very much. That's really helped me... uh get a good perspective on on how to start doing this when I read it. You really helped me out a lot. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. As we close the broadcast, a reminder how important it is that we have ministry partners. When you become a supporter to the Ministry of the Christian Research Institute, I'd be pleased to personalize one of my books to you, a family member or a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time with more. We appreciate you tuning in to the Bible Answer Man broadcast. If you've been blessed by the broadcast and want more information to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of God, go to our website at equip.org. That's equip.org. To contact a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. Again, that's 888-7000-274. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. If you're not horrified, you should be. Because the relentless assaults of wokeism on sanity and common sense have now reached a fevered pitch. In fact, some astute observers see more than deranged ideologies at work. It's as though the gates of hell have been opened. And alarmingly, the speed of this mindless rush to chaos and potential civilizational collapse is gaining momentum daily. That means Christians need to wake up and wake up fast. One of the best alarm clocks is the upcoming special Woke edition of the Christian Research Journal. It contains sobering articles with penetrating analyses of a social disease that is reaching a flashpoint. To receive your copy of this special edition of the Christian Research Journal, visit equip.org. That's equip.org. Or call 888-7000-CRI. 
That's 888-7000-CRI. 